0: yeah
1: Is 1310, The Power. WGHAM, Newport News, Virginia Beach, Norfolk, 1310, The Power.
2: The Anderson Law Power Hour, this Saturday at 9 a.m. on 1310 a.m. The Power. Call in with your legal questions. One hour with me, attorney Tim Anderson, this
1: Saturday. Which is right now here on Power 1310, WGHAM, Newport News, Hampton, all of Hampton Roads. I'm Mark, it's the Anderson Law Power Hour. Anderson Law Power Hour here on Power 1310 being brought to you by Anderson Law Firm. A Very astute, very keen attorney sitting right next to me. You'll be able to talk with them in just a few seconds. So we welcome you to today's broadcast. The views expressed in this program are solely those of the participants of the show and do not reflect the views held by Max Media or its affiliates. This broadcast is hosted by attorney Tim Anderson. Now results in any legal case are never guaranteed and previous results are no indication of future results. Participating in this show is for informational purposes only. There is no attorney client relationship or privilege by calling you also acknowledge that your voice may be used as part of the broadcast or promotion advice given by attorney anderson on this broadcast is not a replacement to consulting with an attorney directly about your case anderson law is a law firm located at 2492 north landing road suite 104 here in virginia beach with satellite offices in chesapeake Hampton, Elizabeth City, and remote offices in Richmond and Vienna. The most important thing I can do for you right now, and you can do, is get this number because you can talk to Attorney Tim Anderson live here on the air with Power 1310. 800-1000-800-1000-800-1000. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Another beautiful Saturday. How are you doing today, sir? Wow, good morning. Thank you for that introduction. You're uh, th-
2: welcome. <laughs> this is a Tim Anderson. Good morning, Hampton Roads. Welcome to the Anderson Law Power Hour. We're going to be talking about the law today and if you have legal questions you can call 800 You'll be able to speak to me directly uh, about whatever legal issues we're going to talk about. This is going to be a uh, free-for-all today. We're going to go through the various areas of law that I typically handle. But if you have a legal question that is not uh, on the topic we're speaking of, feel free to still call in. We're going to try to address those uh, today. So we've talked about uh, my law firm over the uh, few few weeks that we've been on the air. And uh, again, thank you to Max Media for giving us this platform for, uh, for this uh, show on Saturday mornings. So we've talked about my law firm and, and what we've described my practice as being a, uh, a street practice. So a street practice is a law firm where you're, you're coming into the office and you have some kind of an emergency uh, need. Now, the most common types of emergencies that we see in our office are either in the criminal realm or in some of the uh, emergency civil realms. So most commonly on the criminal side, you get a DUI. Uh, Maybe you've been arrested for some kind of a misdemeanor crime, or some type of a felony. Uh, Or uh, on the civil side, you have uh, garnishments or maybe a protective order in a divorce case. Or you have some type of uh, foreclosure, Or something like that. So, we're going to talk about all of those things today, Uh, just one by one, and kind of break down uh, what's going on in those cases. And if these matters uh, pertain to you or you know somebody who's going through this, you can feel free to uh, share this information with them. We actually podcast our our recordings every week uh, right on our website. So, you can go to our Facebook page at Virginia Law Office. Uh, Just go to Facebook and type in Virginia Law Office, and you'll be able to find uh, this show. Uh, and all of our previous shows uh, podcasted right there on Facebook. So uh, so oh, actually we got uh, on Facebook live, we've got a, a first question here. I'm gonna just go straight to that before we get started. This comes from uh, Sherrod. It says, uh, I have a. am a convicted felon, and I want to receive my civil I get my civil rights back. Uh, I know I can't possess a firearm, but some people told me that you might be able to get firearms back.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: All right, so we d- actually did a show about we this, did, yeah. uh, Sherrod, uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, so if you go to our Facebook page, you can listen to the details. But uh, what you're asking about is uh, uh, felon restoration of rights. Yes. And uh, we'll talk about that just for a second. So uh, if you are a convicted felon and uh, that felony is nonviolent and the governor has already restored your civil rights back, which it says that uh, it, it, he has in your in your question here, uh, then you are uh, entitled to ask the courts to restore your firearm rights back. And the process for that is is uh, you come into the office, we would get some information from you, we would prepare a petition, and then we would file a petition with the court, and it would be up to a judge to restore those uh, those rights back. Now, until you get those rights restored, you are unable to purchase or possess a firearm. So you can't go out hunting and even for a second, hold that gun or go to the gun range with your buddies and, and take and take possession of that gun. As a convicted felon, you are prohibited from owning or possessing a firearm until you have got those rights restored. So, Sherrod, uh, I hope you uh, that answers your question. Thanks for calling. If you do want to talk to us about it further, call the office uh, on Monday, 800-1000, and we can set you up an appointment to speak to us. Yeah.
1: Can I interject here? Because I asked a question last time. It's fundamental to a lot of folks. Attorney Anderson. Hey, I just want to protect my family, man. Uh, you know, it's getting crazy out here. I need to get a gun to protect my family. But uh, it was a mistake 15 years ago, 10 years ago, 8 years ago, whatever the case may be. Still can't get the firearm? Cannot get the firearm. Uh-huh. You are not allowed to own or possess a firearm uh,
2: as a convicted felon until those rights have been restored back mm-hmm. to, to you from the judge. So if you go through the process of getting your civil rights back where you can vote and do run for office and all of that, that's fine. But you can't get your gun rights back until a judge does that in Virginia and that's it. Uh, You're welcome, Sherrod. I keep watching, and uh, tell your friends about the show. Yep. All right, so let's uh, move into DUIs, a common area of our practice. Uh, Most people who get a DUI are non-criminals, meaning they don't have any criminal record. They are somebody who has lived their life probably uh, under the radar from the criminal justice system entirely, Uh, probably hasn't uh, even have a really bad driving record, for that matter, but uh, goes out to a happy hour uh, has a couple too many drinks and comes uh, uh, comes home and in the process gets hit with a, a DUI. Now, <coughs> that happens a lot, and first of all, it's not called drunk driving. Uh, it's called driving under the influence, and that's a, a big distinction because drunk driving, we would imagine, would be somebody who's just totally impaired and uh, you know, can't even function and is driving their car and not able to, to even walk uh, correctly. So that's not, that's not what the standards are in Virginia. In Virginia, for a DUI, we have a .08 standard. So .08 basically means is that as you're drinking alcohol, your body is absorbing that alcohol and that alcohol is coming into uh, your, your bloodstream. And the more you drink, the more alcohol comes into your system and that uh, raises your blood alcohol level. So every time you consume alcohol, your blood level is increasing. Now, at the same time, your body is actually getting rid of that alcohol. Your liver is, is, is attacking that alcohol, and it's breaking it down, and it's trying to get it out. So as you're drinking in that alcohol, uh, your body is as quickly trying to get rid of it as it can. Now, your liver can't get rid of the alcohol as quickly as you can drink it. So it does take time. Uh, it does take effort. And as a general rule of thumb, you can generally anticipate that for every ounce of liquor that you drink, your blood alcohol level is going to go up 0.02. All right. Now, everybody's different, but you just have to kind of use some general rules of thumbs in these kinds of scenarios. So if you drink a shot of whiskey, your blood alcohol level is probably going to go up to a 0.02, maybe a 0.03, depending upon how strong that whiskey is, even maybe as much as a 0.04. But your blood, body level is going to go up. Now, your your liver, if you have a functioning liver, is going to be getting rid of that alcohol and it takes about an hour to an hour and a half for your body to get rid of uh, about a, 0.1, a 0.015. So general rule of thumb, about an hour and a half to every ounce of alcohol to be completely without alcohol in your system. So if you go to a bar and you're having a couple of mixed drinks and a big, maybe a big type of margarita at a Mexican restaurant, you could easily get yourself to a 0.08 level uh, in one sitting Without feeling drunk, without feeling intoxicated, without feeling uh, in such a way that you're going to be able to, uh, you know, dr- you feel like you'll be able to drive. So you go out, you have a cup, a glass of wine, maybe two glasses of wine at dinner. You have a, a margarita at dinner, and you feel like you're, okay, well, you know, I've had a little bit to drink, but I'm okay to drive home. So you're driving home, and maybe you're speeding, or maybe some something else happens, or maybe it's just a random checkpoint. Police officer pulls you over, and, you know, now it starts to go downhill. So in every criminal case, it is really a a, a good idea to realize that you have a right to remain silent. Uh, The police have one job when they are investigating a crime, and that is to arrest you. So when you are communicating with the police, they are uh, taking what you're saying, and they are using that uh, against you when you go to court. So almost always when a police officer... Uh, comes up to a car, first thing they're going to say is license and registration. Uh, and then they're going to say, you know, do you know why I pulled you over? Well, if you say, well, I was speeding back there or, you know, I went through that stop sign or went through that stoplight, then that's an admission to the to the charge of whatever they're they're pulling you over for. So it's never a good idea to admit to any conduct uh, with the officer. And what a uh, very common question that the police will ask you is, is have you been drinking tonight? And if you admit to be, say, yeah, you know, I've been drinking, I had a couple drinks at the bar. Everybody has a couple drinks. That's always what they tell the police officers, even if they've had 10 drinks. They say, I had two beers or two drinks. So you get pulled, you know, the, you, know you're, you start, so this, in, within the first 30 seconds of your conversation with the police officer, you are uh, now starting to admit to things. I admitted to, you know, doing something wrong driving. I'm now admitting to drinking. And the and the case starts building and building and building against you. And now in Virginia we have something called implied consent. And implied consent means that if an officer thinks that you've been drinking while driving, you must give your uh, uh, breath to the officer uh, in a in a test. He carries around a little machine called the preliminary breath test. You must blow into that uh, as a Virginia driver. You have no choice under the law, but to blow into that if you've uh, done that. So. In the first 30 seconds, you've admitted to the officer that you've been (laughs) drinking. And that, in and of itself, triggers implied consent. Now, if you refuse to blow into that, then the penalty for that is you lose your driver's license for one year. No matter what, regardless of if you were drunk driving, regardless if you were over the limit, regardless of any of that, if you simply refuse to blow into the officer's preliminary breath test, then you lose your driver's license mandatory for one year. no restrictions, nothing. you just lose it. Oh, so he wow. dr- he charges you with refusal. you're done. Uh, it's very hard to get out of that. very difficult um, uh, to beat those kinds of uh, those kinds of cases. so, so you must blow into it if you have any hopes of keeping your driver's license. So
1: I bet you many people didn't know that, <laughs> Attorney Anderson. Many folks don't know what you just said. It's that c- starts the process. It is a
2: common thing, you know. <laughs> so you know, wow. so you know. Now you're in a situation where you're pulled over. You've been drinking, uh, and now the officer is uh, thinking, okay, I'm gonna you know see if I can make this guy do some things. Now the officer will then. Uh, before he's going to ask you to blow into this uh, preliminary breath test, he's going to have you do what I call carnival show tricks—things um, that normal people, <laughs> completely sober, can't really do <laughs> right. quite well. Sure. All right. Uh, there's a there's a t- uh, test called a walk and turn test. There's a one-legged stand test. There's a touching your finger to your nose test with your head behind—you know, head popped up and your eyes closed—and uh, and could could a normal person do these things completely sober? Probably, but you've got flashing lights, a police officer behind you. Mm. You know you've been drinking a little bit. You're already nervous. Cars are driving by. It might be really cold outside. I mean, who knows what's going on? So in that environment, it is almost impossible to follow the uh, instructions of the officer to the exact letter. You know, if I told you, uh, do your letters from uh, A to Q and stop at Q, you know, without singing the alphabet, right you know, so you know sometimes people mess that up. you might mess a letter up or you may not stop at Q.
1: you're nervous, uh, <laughs> everything yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, so I you know it's just one of those things uh good morning miss uh, uh miss Robinson, nice to see you. We just spoke to you yesterday. uh thank you for that uh those kind words on the Facebook live uh all right, so we have uh you know, so we're at now we're on the side of the road, cars are driving by this big takedown spotlights on you, the cop saying. Walk nine steps, heel to toe, flip around. Walk nine steps, coming back. Don't come off this imaginary line I'm giving you. You know, and all of these things. And so, you know, you're out there and you're trying to do it. And of course, you know, when you make a tiny misstep, the officer's writing his little notes to say, "Oh, hey, you're you're not doing this step correctly. You're not doing this step correctly." Uh, and then the officer will probably say, "Hey, follow my pen. Keep your head still, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make you follow follow this pen with your eyes." And he's looking for something called horizontal gaze nystagmus, which is this, this complicated little thing. But essentially, the, your eyes kind of make little jittery motions if you're drinking alcohol. And he's kind of looking for those clues. Point of all of that is, is that it is almost impossible to pass those tests. Yeah, and, hmm. and so when you're doing that, you're basically just at the carnival, giving them your money, trying to throw you know the ball into the bucket that can never happen even though the carnival guy can do it every single time you try to do it and the ball bounces out and that's what happens in these tests there's no way of getting uh, those tests satisfactory with the police officer And every little mistake you're making he's writing that down so so now he's building his case alright so you've been pulled over you've admitted to driving bad somehow you've admitted to drinking alcohol You've performed some field sobriety tests, and okay, these tests are a little uh, a little sketchy. Let's go ahead and now blow into this preliminary breath test. Now, when you blow into that preliminary breath test, it's going to have a reading, and that reading is going to be .09 or .10 or .12 or whatever that is. If that reading comes above a .08, you are most likely going to be arrested all right so that's just how it is now if that reading is below a 0.08 you may still get arrested but you can almost guarantee that at that point uh, you're probably going to be arrested so you know the kind of the question is is well if the cop is going to arrest me at a 0.08 why did I have to do all these field sobriety tests right so the 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 idea of the field sobriety tests are not to prove your innocence but to prove your guilt so they're, get, they're asking you to do these things so that they can use that as additional evidence against you. There's no benefit in you in doing those field sobriety tests. Never. Under any circumstance, I mean, unless you are stone cold, totally sober, with no alcohol in your system, you will never get any advantage out of doing a field sobriety test uh, with a police officer, as far as I'm concerned. Now, you can refuse field sobriety tests and not lose your driver's license, as we talked about before. Uh, you lose your driver's license for failing to blow into their um, their little machine to register your breath and you can even refuse at the scene to to, to not blow into the officers, um, officer's uh, little preliminary breath test so if you get pulled over for a DUI the very best thing to do is refuse everything okay I'm not going to talk to you about anything officer I mean being respectful i'm not Mm -hmm. advocating to be disrespectful to the police but i am advocating that if you have been drinking anything and you get pulled over you don't say anything you don't even talk to the officer when the officer comes over you hand him your driver's license and then don't do anything else if he says you know i want you to do some tests no sir if i want you to blow into this machine no sir let him make his case because then at least he's got nothing other than whatever he saw you driving. Maybe he can smell some alcoholic beverage on you. Uh, Maybe he can see that your eyes might be a little bloodshot. Maybe your clothes are a little disheveled. Whatever it is, uh, but he's got nothing Mm. else to prove his case. Let him arrest you. You're gonna get arrested anyway. That's just how it's gonna go. Um, So just let him arrest you. Get down to the police station. And uh, when you get there to the police station, there's going to be a machine that you're going to have to blow into. Uh, now this is the machine that counts. This is the machine that is going to be used as evidenced against you I- in your case and uh, if you refuse at that point to blow into that machine that is when you're going to lose your driver's license. So the real question that you're going to have to ask yourself and you have to think about when you're at the jail is am I gonna blow into this machine or not? If you have been drinking heavily you shouldn't blow into that machine, all right? You just shouldn't. I mean, take the refusal, lose your driver's license, but don't blow into that machine because once that machine kicks that number out, that number's going to come in against you in court, and that's going to be all that everybody's looking at, all that everybody's yeah. thinking about. So if you've only had a glass of wine and you know it's just one glass of wine and it was four hours ago since, since you drank, then you should blow into the machine you gotta know where you are in your own personal self uh, of how much alcohol you had consumed. So that's a decision you gotta make at the jail, but you gotta remember that your body is kicking out alcohol every 0.015 about every hour. So if it's been two or three hours you may have gotten rid of seven or eight or nine grams of alcohol from your blood leader. Um, And so if if you get into that scenario then maybe by the time you actually blow into that, you are at a level below a 0.08. So if you are at a level between 0.05 and 0.08, that's kind of the gray area. The judge can still convict you. If you're at a level below a 0.05, there's actually kind of a presumption that you're not intoxicated and the judge will uh, more than likely uh, kick, that, uh, kick that DUI. So best advice when dealing with the police on a DUI is to say nothing to the police officers, uh, other than identifying yourself and refusing to take any of their side, uh, their field sobriety tests and refusing to do
1: anything on the scene that cooperates with their investigation to prosecute you. All right. Attorney Tim Anderson, the Anderson Law Power Hour, here on Power 1310. You can call and ask questions at 800-1000, 800 1000 Also, Facebook Live, Attorney Tim Anderson, Anderson Law Firm, eight zero zero one thousand. the number live here in our studios at Power 1310. We are the best talk in timeless Sola. Mark, glad to be along with you here on this beautiful Saturday. We're at uh, 52 degrees here in Virginia Beach, some fog as you get ready to head out for the day's activities. Today's high around 66. And kind of on a light note, as always, what they say, you can experience four seasons in a day in Virginia. You just hang on long enough. <laughs> That's so peculiar, as it has been in the last couple of days. I think I got a bug. I won't put it on you. 800-1000, 800-1000, a good physiology lesson. Thank you.
2: Well, you know, oh, okay, there there are, there are people out there that are much smarter than me on, on, on how the body works. But, you know, we all just as laymen try to use a little bit of uh, understanding of what we're doing to ourselves so that uh, we can uh, protect ourselves when, it, you know, we're in a situation where, where the police are looking at us. All right.
1: We're going to go to a break. But i tell you what, let's get this call right now. This is Power thirteen ten, the Anderson Law Power Hour. How are you today?
0: I'm doing fine. How can we help you? Uh, out? I would like to know. Um, my daughter has uh, felony charges, and it's been like uh, ten years, eight years, I would say, ago. And I would like to know she owed fines. Would well, she have to pay those fines and and to uh to get a um driver's license, which she's now been declared as uh, disabled.
2: Uh, so so currently right now, if you don't pay fines, uh, the Virginia DMV will will keep your driver's license from... She being, never
0: had one right. in the beginning, but...
2: Right, so, you, so you're, you're unlikely right this minute uh, to get a driver's license if you have outstanding fines. But I did see something very recently that the legislature is considering removing yeah. that restriction, uh, that is uh, in the House of Delegates right now, and that may change. But right this minute, if you have outstanding fines, there is a uh, high likelihood that the DMV would not uh, issue uh, her a driver's license until those fines have been satisfied.
1: Oh,
0: okay. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank I you enjoy for calling. your information. It's very important. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. We
1: appreciate your okay. call again. This is the Anderson Law Power Hour here on Power 1310.
0: Hello? Hello. This is a prepaid collect call from... Tom. An inmate at... Virginia Beach Jail. To accept charges, press 1. You may start the conversation now. Hello?
2: Hey, it's Tom. I'm so sorry to call you. (sighs) I just got arrested for DUI. Can you pick me up at the jail? Oh my
1: gosh, of course. What happened?
2: I was stopped at a checkpoint. They're saying I blew a .12. My car was towed and I got arrested. I have papers that say I can't drive for seven days. I don't know what to do. I can't believe this.
0: I'm on
1: my way, but call attorney Tim Anderson right now. You can call his number collect from the jail. You need to get him on your case right away.
0: I will. What's his number? It's easy to get charged with DUI in Virginia. If you're charged, hiring an attorney immediately is the first step to making sure your rights are protected. Call or text Tim Anderson today at 800-1000. He's been practicing DUI law for 19 years and even won a felony DUI case appealed up to the state Supreme Court. He'll help you get back on track. 800 800- 01000 Defensive Tactics of Virginia Your Gun Shop by the Virginia Beach Courthouse is liquidating their remaining 2018 inventory Check out their website at defensivetacticsvb.com for their best prices on the firearms you want Now's the time to buy a new firearm while prices are as low as they're gonna get During the Defensive Tactics of Virginia Inventory Liquidation Sale Call 477-7126 or visit defensivetacticsvb.com you a convicted nonviolent felon that's curious about restoring your Second Amendment rights, attorney Tim Anderson has been practicing law in Hampton Roads for two decades. He's been helping nonviolent felons restore their Second Amendment rights, and he may be able to help you whether you want to hunt again or just protect your family. Call Tim Anderson today at 800-1000. If you've been convicted of a nonviolent felony in a Virginia court and you're off probation, chances are he can help you win your rights back. Call 800-1000 or visit virginialawoffice.com.
1: Yes, indeed, my friend. It's the Anderson Law Power Hour here on Power 1310. I'm Mark Rollison got to be along with you here again on 1310. You get the best talk and timeless soul. And thanks uh, to Attorney Anderson and thanks to the caller who asked question about fines and so forth. And uh, gosh, <laughs> I'm glad I'm sitting here listening to talk to you. I don't drink. But uh, woo, <laughs> what a, a, a quagmire you can get into by refusing and, and Ah, you need a lawyer. Basically, you need a lawyer if that ever happens. So here's the guy to talk with. Attorney Tim Anderson, again here on Power 1310. It's the Anderson Law Power Hour. Call the office right now. He's a street lawyer. Meet you where you are. 800-1000-800-1000. 800-1000. 800 Offices here in Virginia Beach with satellite offices in Chesapeake, Hampton, and Elizabeth City, and remote offices in Richmond and Vienna. So you can talk with Attorney Tim Anderson. We were talking about DUI. It's a multiple-faceted uh, topic here as we're discussing and learning from you, as we always do with every show. Keep on going today to get some very important knowledge. Pass that along with someone. Share it on social media as well, 800-1000, 800-1000. Well, good m- morning again, Hampton Roads
2: Attorney Anderson here. And I see my friend Jeremiah is watching, and I wanted to show Jeremiah this little note I have here for myself um, based <laughs> upon your I- input there. So I, I haven't been doing this radio thing for very long, but it is very hard to be on the radio and talking straight and not say the word, uh. And so I've, uh, I have this little note here in the studio that says, don't say it, and I've tried to convince my brain not to do it. So I apologize if I'm still doing it, but I'm still working through this. But Jeremiah, your thoughts on that have uh, helped me, and uh, I think I'm doing a tiny bit better on not saying the word uh today. So uh, on to the next subject. So we do have a question on Facebook Live. Uh, Jennifer asks, uh, should an employer have to pay for car repairs if you use your vehicle for work? Uh, That uh, is probably pretty easy for me to answer, and that would be a flat-out no Uh, Your employer is responsible, uh, well your employer doesn't have to do anything actually, it's between you and them, but generally employers reimburse you for mileage. So you should be getting a, uh, uh, you should be getting some type of mileage reimbursement from your employer, maybe 30, 40, 50 cents a mile, but whatever that is, is your compensation for using your personal vehicle and you're responsible for gas and repairs and insurance and all of that. So if it, but your employer is not even required to do that uh, under Virginia law, uh, that is between you and them on how how that uh, how that rate works. Uh, if your employer does not reimburse you for mileage, you can deduct that on your personal tax returns as unreimbursed employee expenses. So, uh, but if you have a, you know, your tire blows while you're driving around for your boss, uh, you, you would not have to pay for uh, that uh, that repair. All right, we've got another question here on Facebook. Uh, do you make payment arrangements for bankruptcy? Yes, we do. That is very common. So uh, that's actually the next subject I wanted to talk about very quickly is bankruptcy. And the questions that that generally come in for bankruptcies, and, and this is the, the, other than criminal, bankruptcy is the most emergency kind of situation because people don't generally come in with, thinking hey i want to file bankruptcy next year you know let's start kind of working on that usually they're coming in because something bad is happening to them right now yeah. they went to the bank account they went to the to food line and they used their debit card and there's no money in their account well how is that cuz they just got paid well when they find when they they look and they find that there's a garnishment on their bank account from a credit card from 10 years ago or from a repossession 5 years ago and so if you're in a situation where there are you know, emergency situations, garnishments are pending down on you. You find out at work that the, they're taking 25% of your pay. Uh, Virginia Taxing Authority can actually take 100% of your wages. So they can flat out take every penny uh, in some circumstances. So you've lost you, your ability to pay your rent and your mortgage and your car payments and, and all of that. Those things are uh, emergencies. And so people come in and they're like hey i need that protection and and why they seek bankruptcy for that protection is you can uh, it, with a with a bankruptcy situation you get the uh, something called the automatic stay and the automatic stay is a protection that stops creditors from being able to do what they're doing so if you have a situation with a garnishment uh, and we file bankruptcy then that that bankruptcy protects you from that garnishment so we can tell that creditor hey you have to stop that because that garnishment uh, is protected now by by this person's bankruptcy, so the people rush in to do that. So garnishments and foreclosures are the big ones that people come in for. Uh, and there's usually a very short amount of time to file a bankruptcy, and we have to file the bankruptcy before the bad thing uh, happens. So if there's a foreclosure sale on your house on April 25th, we have to file a bankruptcy before April 25th to stop that. And and so you know, bankruptcies aren't cheap. There's, there's unfortunately money that has to be paid and there's lots of rules about that. Uh, and so you have these situations where you have people trying to, to do something important, which is file bankruptcy, but, but not only do they not have savings because they're living paycheck to paycheck, but their primary earnings are being garnished or their primary bank account is being garnished. And so it is this terrible tension that people find themselves in uh, we can work out payment arrangements in some circumstances. There are other cases in Chapter 13 where you just have to pay a little bit of money up front to us uh, to ah, set it, uh, to make a uh, arrangements with the court to get paid by the court over time. So there's all kinds of uh, ways we can try to get you into bankruptcy and get those protections. But we are looking for garnishments uh, and foreclosures to stop quickly and that generally requires a lot of a lot of paperwork and the money to be paid very quickly, and so we can uh, give you some ideas of how to do that and how to make that work. Uh, and that's something that you, all you have to do is just give us a, a call at eight zero zero one thousand, set up an appointment, and we will go through that. Your case, your garnishment, your foreclosure is not the first one we've dealt with. We deal with these things all the time. We deal with people who don't have money but still have to file bankruptcy. We deal with people who can't pay their their mortgage payment because they've lost their job, but we still can find a way to keep their house. So call us. The consultations are free. There's no obligation. You call us, you'll talk to me, you'll talk to one of my other attorneys, and you'll talk to us on that same day. That's one thing about my law firm that I make very, very important and something that might be a little different from us than other places is, is that if you call eight zero zero one thousand, you will speak to an attorney that day over the phone. Now we may not be able to get you into the office, but you're going to speak to somebody Great. that day. So your questions are going to be answered. We're going to give you an idea of how much it's going to cost to do what you need to have done, and that's going to give you that peace of mind and the roadmap of what needs to happen. Not call us up, you'll get to speak to the attorney in two weeks, or you know we'll talk to the attorney on Thursday next week. You get to speak to that attorney that day. Maybe not that minute, but that day. You will speak to somebody that day.
1: 800-1000. 800-1000 Attorney Tim Anderson, the Anderson Law Power Hour here on Power thirteen ten. And I remember from the last discussion or show we did, you said it's immediate, or it can be stopped. It can start within a couple of days, or based upon the individual circumstances, and that uh, bankruptcy proceeding or filing can prevent further garnishment. Am I? Yep. Betting? Yep.
2: That's right. Okay, the, yeah. Right. That that protection is immediate. It oh. happens the same day, and we can start using that uh, protection to move the things along. Got another Facebook Live question here from Vanette. Uh, how do you get? Uh, how do you go about getting divorced from someone who's been on the run for five years? So that is a great question, Vanette. Uh, we didn't talk about that last week during our divorce segment, but I would encourage you to go to our Facebook page and listen to the divorce uh, show that we did last week. that would contain a lot of information for you about how divorce law works. But that question is is pretty easy. You have to serve your uh, spouse with the paperwork and the way we serve the spouse with the paperwork is usually the sheriff or a process server brings your complaint to your spouse and hands it to him, and that's called service of process. That's required under the law. Now if your spouse is on the run or you can't find them, the law allows you to publish that in the newspaper. So there's a way we can take your divorce and we can publish it in the newspaper and the law considers that good service so we can get you divorced by going through a publication divorce that's something that we can do now there's a few little tricks about that one of those is is that you won't get anything from the divorce court other than just divorced but if that's all you want that's something that we can do so uh, call me eight zero 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 thousand I'll walk you through how to do that and what the expenses are but you are not hostage to your marriage if just because your spouse has uh, run on the lamb he's on the lamb he's can't be found. We can still move forward by going through that publication process. All right. So let's go into bail hearings. This is a a very common situation where people will give us a call uh, very urgently. And this is a situation where you've been arrested for a crime. Now it may be that DUI situation or it may be something more than that. Uh, You have a situation in uh, Virginia where when you are arrested, if you're arrested for a DUI, you're arrested for a misdemeanor uh, you're arrested for a felony, What's the the very first thing that's going to happen is is the police are going to take you to the jail. And at the jail, you are going to see a magistrate. Now, a magistrate is pretty much a judge as far as it is concerned for the purposes of deciding uh, how to formally charge you with whatever crime you're being charged with, and then to determine whether you are going to get pretrial bail. Now, what tre- pretrial bail basically is is, is that okay, you've been charged with committing this crime. The question now is, is, do you have to sit in jail until your trial date or do you get to be released back into society on bail? Now, bail is generally money that you have to put up that is allowed to, that allows you to leave the jail. So uh, somebody who gets arrested for a DUI uh, would probably go to the magistrate and the magistrate would say, okay, you have to pay a $1,500 bail. And what that means is, is that if you pay $1,500 in cash to the uh, court system, you are immediately be al- allowed to uh, re- be released from that, from that facility. And then when the case is over, whether you are found guilty or not guilty, then you will get uh, that money back. So it's not conditioned upon whether you did the crime or not. It's just conditioned upon you showing up for your trial and going through the process. All right. So that's called a cash bail. Now, the magistrate could also say, I'm going to give you a personal recognizance bond. And what a personal recognizance bond is, is that it's going to be the same thing, maybe $1,500. But you don't have to pay any money to the court. You just have to sign your name to the bond. And if you don't show up at court down the road, then you owe the... Commonwealth of Virginia $1500 or $2500 or just automatically again whether you're guilty or not guilty it's a it's a civil civil issue between you and the commonwealth you will have to pay that. And then so the and so as people are in jail most of the time they don't have any money yeah. or you know maybe they have 50 bucks on them from going out you know to dinner or where where they were at before they got arrested but they don't have any money and maybe they don't have a husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend or mom or dad or brother or sister to, to bail them out. So in that kind of a situation, uh, you are in a, a position where you're going to have to use a bondsman. And the way a bondsman generally works is is that if we use that same situation where the magistrate says you have to pay $1,500 uh, in uh, your you know, to, to get out, then you call a bondsman and, and they're you know in the jail and you can call them up. And the bondsman will go down and put that money up for you and then you pay the bondsman usually 10% of what that bond is. So in a $1,500 bond, you would pay the bondsman $150. Mm-hmm. The $10,000 bond, you pay the bondsman $1,000. Whatever it is, you pay the bondsman the 10% and, and he gets you out. Now, again, you probably don't have that money right on you, but the bondsman might be able to reach out to family or friends and, and get that money paid. Or you know he may immediately take you to a cash machine as soon as he bails you out and you can pay him. All of those... Uh, arrangements are between you and the bondsman. But the difference with a bondsman is is that if you use a bondsman, you do not get your deposit back. So if, if you have a $1,500 bond and you give the bondsman $150 to get you out and you go through the process and all of that happens, you don't get the money that you paid to the bondsman back. That's a fee to him. And that fee is totally conditioned upon uh, him bailing you out. Other than that, that's it. Now, if, if you don't show up at court then that bondsman has to pay that money that he put up uh, to the court. So he loses that money. So he will, in most situations, uh, employ a bounty hunter, and these things exist, to come out and get you. uh, Or he himself will come out and get you. And bondsmen have the authority to come into your house and kick your door down without a warrant. And take you uh, take you to jail in handcuffs. So they have uh, they have these uh, uh, this authority. So you, you don't want to stiff a bondsman because they will come after you. They don't want to give up their money. All right. So en- wow. Okay, we've got some more questions here. People are popping up all over here on Facebook Live.
1: Yep. Let me give the number out a couple times if you don't mind, Attorney Anderson. Eight zero zero one thousand eight zero zero one thousand eight zero zero one thousand. Share that number with someone today. Uh, call it ask questions here as we're talking about DUI part of the broadcast and about bankruptcy and now being bailed eight zero zero one thousand eight zero zero one thousand the Anderson law power hour here Saturday mornings from 9 to 10 on power 1310 the best talk and timeless soul I learned so much from you every single time it's really a blessing to sit down and be able to talk with the <laughs> host of the show appreciate it
2: yeah yeah so we normally we go to a break but I've got like three questions popping up let's so take, let's just yeah. keep keep rolling through yeah. Yeah, it's really cool to see how this show's evolving. You know, our first week, nobody called. <laughs> you know, maybe a question came in here and there, and now we're we're blowing up here. So it's pretty fun to fun to be a part of this. All right, Alex, let's go to your question. Uh, uh, his question is: Do you have any good advice on buying a house after two years of bankruptcy, even with the down payment? First time home buyers. All right. So Alex, certainly don't know what your background is, but uh, if you are a veteran, uh, the VA is the most fantastic way for veterans to to buy real estate. Uh, the mm-hmm. VA will come in and, and back the loan. It's all it's guaranteed entirely by the VA. The bank has zero risk because even if you default, the VA loans are excellent. But if you're not a veteran, then you're just going to have to kind of shop around and talk to to creditors. Bankruptcy is on your credit file for 10 years, so there's no way to to ignore that. So You've got, to, you've got to talk to creditors before they're pulling your credit report and causing this damage and, and telling them, hey, I'm in bankruptcy. Uh, I was in bankruptcy a couple years ago, but I have a down payment and I have good debt-to-income ratio now. Uh, would this be something that you would loan me money on? I think that you will probably find that you will have a better chance of dealing with a local broker than somebody on television, uh, like Quicken Loans or something like that. Uh, those Those bigger companies are very how do I tactically say it, but they're they're very much just by your credit report number. So yep, they're going to yep. pull your credit report. And if you don't fit into their little cookie cutter parameters, you're not going to get that. But if you go to a, a local broker and you sit down with somebody, you might be able to find that there is a product out there for you. But keep in mind this, this is very important. Don't put yourself in a bad position just to buy a house. Don't Don't wrap up yourself in a loan that is 10 or 12 or 15% mortgage interest rates. Uh, even if it looks like something that's good and do not put yourself in an adjustable rate mortgage that can raise up in a, a, a year or two because yeah. if you are able to afford the loan now and with no no control of how, how the economy works, your, your mortgage rate shoots up four or $500 because interest rates went up. Uh, stay away from those. Try to find those fixed rate loans. Those are uh, those are very good.
1: Just a thought too, Attorney Anderson. Lease to own. That's an option for you. Yep, lease to own. There are people out there that are doing that. And sit that, down and talk with the person right in front of them. Hey, this is what happened, and you know it's all in the past. And this is what I earned, and you know I've been stable for the last couple of years. I can do it.
2: Yeah, uh, and actually, I have actually done that transaction myself. I have a, a person who lives in one of uh, my former homes, and he is uh, renting to own that property for Great. me. Yeah. It works out very good for the landlord. It works out very good for the uh, for the tenant, and that gives a, that tenant the path to uh, to become a homeowner if they do everything they're supposed to do. All right, Amber, let's go on to yours. Uh, if a rental tenant doesn't hold their end of the lease agreement, do I, as a property manager, have to give them 21 days to rectify the issue, or issue, uh, or can we uh, give them their 30-day notice? All right. So I'm assuming, Amber, by your question, uh, the rental tenant is not paying their rent. And generally under the law in Virginia, you just need to give them a five-day uh, pay or quit notice. And what that basically says is, is that you must pay your rent in five days, uh, bring your, your account current, or we can then move forward with that eviction. So you, you, take a, you write a letter and you send it certified mail to the tenant and you say you have five days to pay this, mm-hmm. this, this rent. And if you don't, you can then move forward to evicting them. Uh, and then when you go to evict them, you go to the court and you file the unlawful detainer action. And of course, you know, you're the property manager, so you got to do it, you, know, the, you, you have to have the owner do it unless you have the authority by contract to do it. But in any event, the, the owner of the property files that, uh, that eviction notice, and uh, that evic- it's called an unlawful detainer. And uh, the court says, hey, let me see the five-day notice. And as long as that's there, and as long as the rent hasn't been
1: paid, then the judge will issue the eviction.
2: So I hope that, hope that answers that
1: question. 800-1000. 800-1000. This is the Anderson Law Power Hour with Attorney Tim Anderson here on Power 1310. 800-1000. 800-1000. Your questions asked live here on the air. 800-1000. Anderson Law Firm is located in Virginia Beach on North Landing Road with offices, satellite offices in Chesapeake, Hampton, Elizabeth City, and remote offices in Richmond and Vienna. But he's live right here on the air with us, Power 1310-800-1000.
2: All right, so uh, back to the bail hearings. So we talked about how to do surety bonds and, and uh, personal recognizance bonds, but here's where we get the phone calls. It's when the magistrate says, no, I'm not going to let you out of jail. All right, so now that's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, you, you have a, you, you're, you're now in jail, mm. and you're in jail until your trial date. And if you're in jail until your trial date, you do not get released uh, from, that, from that until we were at court unless a, a judge allows that to happen. And so there is a process under the law that if the magistrate says you have to stay in jail, that you can ask a judge for a bail hearing. Now, the courts in Virginia are pretty quick about giving somebody a bail hearing. And a bail hearing is usually something where the lawyer makes a request, and usually within three business days, uh, the court is gonna have a hearing to determine whether or not you get to be released from jail. Now, kind of think about this. It's a big deal to be in jail prior to being convicted of a crime. All right, that's a big deal because if you're found not guilty, you've basically served jail time for something that you weren't convicted of. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a serious deal. Sure. It's a big thing to 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 be held pre pretrial. But there are some people that are just so dangerous. The law says eh, we're going to we're gonna have to keep you in jail. So if you are charged with a, uh, a second offense or maybe even a third offense or a fourth offense or a fifth offense DUI, I mean maybe somebody who's a habitual drunkard and somebody who is just dangerous to soci- society because they can't stop drinking and driving, the, the magistrate may say, hey, we're not going to let you out on bail. So then we've got to go talk to the judge and that's where a bail hearing comes in. Now, you don't get that bail hearing unless that's requested. So, if you don't request it through a lawyer or through your own through your own motions from the jail, you're going to sit in jail. So, when we go to a, a situation where there's somebody who's and we're not talking about like a, you know, somebody who shot up a school or something like that. We're talking about, you know, somebody who just on the fringe of being a little dangerous to society. The question is going to be, can we make some type of Conditions of bond that would allow this person to be released into socii- to society without endangering other people. Now, in a situation where maybe you have a habitual uh, drunkard, somebody who has a lot of uh, DUI situations, uh, a judge may say, "I'm going to put this person on pretrial supervision, meaning they have to report to a probation officer, maybe daily, to get tested mm-hmm. for uh, for alcohol use." Uh, I may uh, make this person uh, wear a ankle bracelet that can detect through their skin if they're, they have alcohol in their system. Wow. There's a variety of technology that exists for people like that, and if uh, in, in or you know, there's even just home detention. I'll be, let you be released, but I'm going to confine you to your home, pro, you know, pending trial. So there's lots of ways that somebody can be released from jail that might be a little bit dangerous to society uh, that can still get them out of jail without having to uh, to serve time in jail prior to uh, their trial. And keeping in mind, everybody's presumed to be innocent and we have that presumption in the law generally gives us the uh, benefit of the doubt that we didn't commit the crime until a prosecutor can make that uh, make that determination that we did. So, So we've gotta find a situation where you have uh, some type of protections now there the other thing the court has to consider in a bail hearing is is whether you're a flight risk. So if a flight risk is somebody that might leave the jurisdiction uh, and and run away from the charges, become a fugitive. Uh, somebody who would be a, a, a considerable flight risk might be somebody who is facing a large amount of time in jail mm-hmm. uh, for their crime. So you know if you if you've, Committed some type of a, a murder and you're looking at life in prison, that would be a very good incentive to run if you could mm. get out of jail. Mm. So in a situation like that, you may uh, see a judge uh, move uh, move down that road. But if you have a if you are stuck in jail without bail, it's very important to give us a call eight zero zero one thousand and we can talk to you about how to do that. All right, another question on Facebook Live. All right, if uh, this comes from uh, Kaiza, hope I pronounced your name right, Kaiza. If someone was driving on a suspended license, and was convicted and was given three months, three months of suspended time, what happens when they get caught driving again and miss their court date? All right, so that's a that's that's a complicated question in in a lot of things. But first, uh, if you are uh, driving on a suspended license, this means that you don't have a valid license in Virginia. And not only do you not have a valid license in Virginia, but a judge has uh, said you can't drive. Okay, so you're not allowed to drive. You've been convicted of driving on a suspended license. So you've got not only the DMV taking your license away, but a judge taking your license away in a previous conviction and convicting you of that. So now we have a second offense Uh, And in the second offense, you're going to see that that not only are there criminal penalties for that second offense, but you can also get a probation violation for the first offense. So if a judge gave you three months of suspended jail time, that means that you have to be on good behavior for probably a year or two years or whatever the judge said. And if you violate that good behavior, you could possibly get jail time not only for your current offense, but you could get jail time for that earlier offense. So uh, it, is, uh, it is a big deal. Now, missing a court date, uh, that is called, uh, generally in Virginia, a capius. And a capius is a failure to appear uh, at a court hearing. That is a separate offense. That can, can carry jail time as well. So uh, there's a lot of issues there. And if this is for you or somebody you know, which I'm assuming it's somebody you know, uh, then you probably want to have them give us a call. There's, a, there's, there's, there's going to be some problems with this case, but it could be something that at least maybe sometimes our job is not getting people out of jail, but maybe making the knot not, not as tight as it really is. So right. kind of loosening that up, making the consequences
1: a little bit more manageable. So uh,
2: have that person give us a call,
1: 800-1000. Yep, 800-1000, Attorney Tim Anderson, the Anderson Law Firm here in Hampton Roads. This is the Anderson Law Power Hour on Power 1310. Let everybody know about it. Great questions on social media. Appreciate that. You can also talk to Attorney Anderson live, 800-1000, live on the air here on Power 1310. 800-1000. As we always say, time flies when you're having fun and engaged in a great conversation as we are here on Power 1310. Got just about uh, seven or eight minutes or so ago. Uh, you want to wrap up, with usually we do that uh, law firm, law industry-type topic, but this is so hot, so to speak, maybe we can keep on going with that. Yeah,
2: yeah, well, you know, it, it is amazing how fast time flies yeah.
1: when we're doing this show.
2: It, it is unbelievable. Uh, we have, I think, five or six minutes left. So uh, I have a couple other things uh, to, to, to talk about that I wanted to, to just go over, and we've talked about this almost in every other segment, but protective orders. Uh, protective orders are uh, the most important legal issue that seems to come into our office, on an emergency basis, a protective order will prohibit you from seeing your children, will prohibit you from going to the house that you live in, will prohibit you from seeing your spouse. Uh, the person who's taken this protective order out against you is very upset with you, and you are in a position where you can lose a lot of rights. You lose your gun rights, which is minimal compared to all of the other things that can happen. So if you get hit with a protective order, there are very, very, very short windows of time for you to respond to that. You need to call us right away. Now, you're not going to get arrested for a protective order. You're going to have a police officer come out. He's going to hand you the protective order. It's going to tell you what those restrictions are. And if you violate those restrictions, you can go to jail, all right? So you can violate that protective order. That would be a crime. But the protective order itself is civil. And if it's a situation where a, uh, a wife has taken a protective order out against the husband and the husband just you know, doesn't care because he doesn't want to see her anyway and just says, oh, I'll just let ha- happen what happens, that is a very bad thing to do. That is something you do not want to have uh, on your record. Mm. It is not something that you want to have uh, in your life. It will prohibit you in, in more ways than I can possibly articulate in the last two or three minutes of this. So if you are served with a protective order, you need to give us a call. If you are uh, a victim of domestic violence and you don't know exactly what to do and you feel like you're in a dangerous situation, let us talk to you about how to use the protective orders to get you the protection that you need from the court. I handle both sides. I don't just represent men. I don't just represent women. I represent people on both sides, depending upon uh, what the situation is, and we help people uh, in in both situations. I might be at court one day representing somebody who's who's responding to a protective order. I may be in court the next day uh, helping somebody get a protective order. So, uh, you, let us uh, talk to you about the the pros and cons. Sometimes it is not a good idea to even ask for it because. If you have a relationship with um, a a co-parent and that co-parent has a decent relationship with your children and you get a protective order against them that is a no-contact protective order, you can't even communicate with them. You can't oh, figure yeah, out how you're yeah. going to deal with the children and, and how you're going to make those things. So getting a protective order can be uh, something that maybe you don't want. The now proverbial if,
1: double-edged sword.
2: That That's right. Yeah. That's right. Now, if you get a protective order and and things have calmed down, there's ways to get rid of that protective order through a a disillusionation that we can uh, also go through. So protective orders are definitely a big part of our practice for a lot of reasons. So if those things apply to you, uh, you can give us a call at 800-1000 to speak about those matters.
1: 800-1000, 800-1000. For Anderson Law, Power Hour, Saturday mornings from 9 to 10 here on Power 1310, where you can join... the Best Talk and Timeless Soul. Gosh, you're only about the three or four minutes, so I want to make sure you get your commercials in there as well. So, again, eight zero zero one thousand anderson Law, the law firm here in Virginia Beach Satellite offices in Hampton, as well as Elizabeth City and Richmond. And You can find out all about that by calling 800-1000. 800-1000. And please make sure you share that with folks on social media and let them know about it, that we have uh, the broadcast on Saturday mornings here on Power 13, Tim, and as we started the conversation, we started doing this show about three weeks or so now. He's a street attorney. He meets you where you are. You can talk to him. Talk to one of his lawyers right there in the, in the minute, in a way of speaking. You'll be able to at least have the conversation to get the process started, and whether it's bankruptcy, DUI, uh, felony, uh, criminal, uh, possession, or concealed possession, <laughs> concealed carry, you'll be able to ask those questions. And uh, get a solid answer. And as well, I've learned from you, there's a strategy. You have a plan. You're not just you know patting them on the back and you're out the door. Good luck. you provide them with a strategy.
2: Yeah, we, we try we try to we try to be everything for the client. you know in our closing letters to our clients, we say, we want to be your attorneys for life. We're not just here for this one issue. There's other issues you're going to have, and let us uh, help you do that. I just held up a sign to the Facebook people. There's a lot of them watching. I'm very surprised. Great. Uh, thanks for listening. Catch us next Saturday. Uh, we'll be here to take your calls uh, 9 a.m. every Saturday. Uh, on 13 10 a.m. thank you so much to Max media for giving us this platform and 8001000 uh, 1000 is my number so if you have questions after this show you can call there's a live person that answers the call 24 hours a day they will take your messages they will email them to me and if it's super urgent like you're in jail and you need me to come down and deal some deal with you right away I'll come I'll get down there. But if it's something that we need to talk to you about, we'll get you scheduled for an appointment with uh, with one of the attorneys on Monday.
1: Yeah, And also this is available, this broadcast is available on podcast at your website. Yep, on our
2: website, so virginialawoffice.com. Uh, they'll be there. It's also on our Facebook uh, website. At uh, You go to Facebook and type in Virginia Law Office, which for those of you who are watching on Facebook, you already
1: know how to do that. All right. Gosh, we'll catch you next Saturday. All right, sounds good. Thank always you. Always a lot of help, always a lot of good information. Again, my friend, you've been listening to the Anderson Law Power Hour. The views expressed on this program are solely those of the participants of the show and do not necessarily reflect the views held by Max Media or its affiliates. This show is hosted by Attorney Tim Anderson. Results in any legal case are never guaranteed, and previous results are no indication of future results. Now, participating in this show is for informational purposes only. There is no attorney-client relationship or privilege to any caller. By participating, you also acknowledge that your voice may be used as part of the broadcast. Advice given by Attorney Tim Anderson on this program is not a replacement to consulting with an attorney directly about your case. Anderson Law is a law firm located at 2492 North Landing Road, Suite 104 in Virginia Beach. Satellite offices in Chesapeake, Hampton, Elizabeth City, and remote offices in Chesapeake, uh, in Richmond and Vienna. We'll catch you next Saturday morning, 9 to 10, here on Power 1310.
0: Hello? Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from... Tom. An inmate at... Virginia Beach Jail. To accept charges, press 1. You may start the conversation now. Hello? Hey, it's Tom. I'm so sorry to call you.
2: (sighs) I just got arrested for DUI. Can you pick me up at the jail? Oh my
1: gosh, of course. What happened?
2: I was stopped at a checkpoint. They're saying I blew a .12. My car was towed and I got arrested. I have papers that say I can't drive for 7 days. I don't know what
1: to do. I can't believe this. I'm on my way, but call attorney Tim Anderson right now. You can call his number, collect from the jail. You need to get him on your case right away.
0: I will. What's his number? It's easy to get charged with DUI in Virginia. If you're charged, hiring an attorney immediately is the first step to making sure your rights are protected. Call or text Tim Anderson today at